You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. D-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. Hurts, beeping, first down, and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. All right, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered, powered by Believe Podcast Network and sponsored by BetOnline.ag. The NBA Finals are going on, Warriors versus Celtics. Let's go make some money real quick together. Use promo code BLEAV. Head on over to the website, BetOnline.ag. They will match your initial deposit up to 50% by using that promo code. Who do you got? You got the Warriors or the Celtics? Let us know. Go ahead and make some money now, too, by head on to BetOnline.ag. That's betonline.ag. Co-host Connor Miles here with my co-host Ed Kras as always. Ed, you know, I thought the craziest thing about the OTAs that's not really getting talked about as much as it should be, at least in my point of view, uh, is Shane Seichen admitted that he was calling the plays the second half of the season for the Eagles on offense. That, I thought, was the biggest takeaway because, number one, it shows you how great this coaching staff is at keeping stuff in-house. This is the Philadelphia market, media market. That Stuff like that. Doesn't get away from the Philadelphia Inquirer, SI.com, and so on and so forth, from NJ.com and all the other great outlets that Philadelphia has uh, covering the Philadelphia Eagles. That stuff doesn't, you know, the way that they kept that in-house shows me how much confidence I have in this coaching staff moving forward because the cohesionness, everybody on the same page. When somebody's not on the same page, that's when leaks come out. That's when these little things start coming out. Nothing came out about that, and we just found out this past week that Shane Seichen at the second half of the season was calling plays on offense for the Eagles, right when things went really well, Ed. You know, he had the history with Justin Herbert in uh, in San Diego slash Los Angeles. I mean, uh, he, knew what, he knew what he was doing as a play caller, but what did you think about that when he made that uh, omission uh, in the press conference? Yeah, it was, it was kind of weird how he just put that out there, you know, like we were saying after – he said that and he left the uh, podium. We're like, do you think, you know, uh, Nick Sirianni's kind of yelling at him now for putting that out there? But I, I don't think so. I think he put it out there because they wanted it out there that he's going to be the guy calling plays. And, you know, last year, early in the year, Nick was saying that I'm the play caller, I'm the play caller. And, um, you know, it, it was kind of a convoluted system. You know, he was calling the plays and then he was telling Shane, who was then telling Jalen Hurts in the huddle, you know, so there was that kind of extra layer to it that really seemed to make it kind of a little bit convoluted. Um, so now, you know, they'll have a plan in place. I mean, Nick will still be involved in what plays are being called. It's just that during the course of the of the game, uh, you know, Steichen will be the one calling them. Now he'll have a menu of plays that him and Nick and, you know, others, Stoutland and uh, other people, you know, in that offensive uh coach's room will have gone over through the course of the week, but it's going to be Steichen who's going to probably have the last call on at least 90% of the plays. Nick could override him, uh, you know, if he chooses to, but I think it's a little bit better this way. I think it, it it's a little bit, uh, takes that extra step out of it. It gets the play in a little bit quicker. Um, and like you said, Steichen has had that experience. Nick Sirianni never called plays before he came to Philadelphia. So, um, you know, it was interesting to hear him admit that he was calling the plays, you know, pretty much halfway through last season. Uh, and, and it, it, you know, a question that will probably be asked when Sirianni is available to the media on Wednesday about, um, you know, whose idea was that? You know, was that 
Howie Roseman telling him to hand off the plays, or was that just Nick saying, you know, I want to be more in control of the entire team, offense, defense, special teams, and I can't do that if I'm worrying about what the next play is going to be. So, um, you I think know, you're going to get the latter answer there. Pro- yeah, I, I would think so. You know, it's not going to be Roseman that told him, even if it was. But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting ad- admission um, from Steichen that he's going to be the guy calling plays and. You know, if it was him doing it last year, the second half of the season, he, he was good at it. I mean, the yeah. Eagles won more games than they lost in that second half, and they made it to the playoffs. Well, they turned around on offense completely, too, by sticking to a true – they found their identity. They found their identity under Shane Station. so that's really – oh, man. I'm, I'm surprised by it. I mean, but if anything, it, it instills more confidence in me as a – you know, you can be a skeptic of Nick Sirianni all you want. He's only had one year in the league as a head coach, and that's fair, but, I mean – it makes me even more of a believer in him even now. I mean, uh, the Eagles had Chip Kelly, who had a ton of pride and a ton of ego. And they had Doug Peterson, who had a ton of pride, a ton of pride. No ego, but a ton of pride. Uh, now they got a coach who says, you know, when things aren't working, I'm going to step aside and make sure that we fix things real quick to get them back on ship and uh, right the ship again. Yeah. Right, I'm it, impressed. I, I like it. I mean, you're right. Doug, Doug, that – he said that was his favorite part of being a head coach was calling right. plays and he was never going to give that up. But, you know, Sirianni again is not, he doesn't have that ego. Like he, he wasn't afraid to switch gears with the offense last year, midstream, you know, going from more of a passing offense to a running offense, not threatened at all by having someone else call his plays. And, you know, that might've been part of the return round. It was Steichen taking over the play calling, but then Sirianni too, running the other parts of the team. Um, you know, a little bit more hands-on with other areas um, because it is his team. And he said that repeatedly, you know, it's not just Gannon's defense. It's, it's Sirianni's defense because ultimately he's the head coach. So this allows him to be the CEO of the, of the entire team, if you will. And it delegates some authority to Steichen. And, you know, if he, if he does a good job at it, who knows, maybe he's a head coach next year. Maybe he, he and Gannon both are getting interviews next year at this time. And uh, of course, you know, a lot of, a lot of football to be played between now and then, but yeah, I like it. I think the offensive coordinator should be involved. I mean, really, what what point is having an offensive coordinator if he's not going to call the plays? Right. You know, something that sticks out to me a little bit. I don't know if it sticks out to you as much. And again, this might be a little bit of a reaction because I'm sure this has happened in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm, I'm positive it has actually because I, you know, Michael Vick and Marty Morningwick had a really strong relationship that's really off the record that isn't really spoke about much. And Marty's even opening about opening up about it more uh, as he does his podcast that he started. But, you know, I, there's a clip of Jalen Hurts, and he's out fishing uh, with Devontae Smith. And guess who's in the background? Shane Seichin. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I've never seen this type of culture building, I think I would want to say, or like team bonding that this team is currently doing right now. And I'm sure that's, again, I'm sure that's an overreaction. But I think it sticks out to me, and I wonder if it sticks out to you too, is how close this roster is trying to get to each other, like how much that they believe that they can win through culture and be bonding as a team uh, and building that chemistry. It's very noticeable. Is it, is it just me or am I, am I overreacting or what do you think so as well? No, I, I agree. Uh, listen, that's one of Nick Sirianni's core principles is connecting, and that's what they're doing. They're They're connecting and you know, this move away from kind of a hands or, you know, a, a lot of practices during OTAs, uh, you know, they've only had six OTA practices, one of the fewest in the league or one of only two teams not having a mandatory mini camp. 
Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are the other one. But, you know, this is the time when they're they're getting to know each other in the locker room the, because they're not on the field practicing doesn't mean they're not doing things together as a team. They're, they are getting to know one another. And, you know, that was one of the big reasons the Eagles won a Super Bowl in 2017. I mean, you know, obviously the play on field was important. But in that locker room, and I was in that locker room, uh, you know, every day, more or less. And, uh, you know, it was it, it, the thing you could see was the the, the, the chemistry and the and the the kinship that the players had, not just offensive and defensive players. Um, but I think a lot of that was driven by the players. I think this is a little bit different in it. This is more coaching, coaching driven, I, I would say, because in that locker room in 2017, you know, some of the guys that really stood out to me, one of them was LeGarrette Blunt, how he brought that team together. Uh, you know, he was always playing games in the back of the locker room, whether it was a Papa shot game or a, uh, you know, a cornhole game that they had a little thing set up in the corner. I mean, they were always hanging together and he was always challenging the defense and the offense. I mean, he was kind of the glue and uh, that was really cool to see. Um, and But I think, and we haven't been in the locker room this year. Hopefully we'll get back in there once the season starts or even training camp starts. But um, I think it's more coaching driven. I think the coaches want these guys to bond and to be together and to hang out. And, you know, we saw the Eagles go out and bring in Jalen Hurts' best friend, A.J. Brown, you know, we've seen them draft Devontae Smith, who, you know, that Hurts and him had a relationship. They brought in Grant Calcaterra this draft because, you know, and he ha he knows Hurts a little bit from their time together at Oklahoma. So, you know, I think this is kind of, a, a you know, from a, on high, this, this edict that we're going to bond, we're going to hang together, we're going to get to know each other. Because when you're, you know, when you're fighting in that, in, in, you know, in that canoe, so to speak, and you're paddling away and you're going upstream, you want everybody rowing in the same direction. And that's the way to do it is to get these guys bonding and, you know, uh, liking one another off the field, not only on the field. And that was perfect answer to my question. I, know, I, I think that anybody that's wondering, too, I mean, because it's it's noticeable. There's I mean, again, we're living in the era where social media is around. It wasn't really around. Uh, 10 years ago or so and i i know that those guys connected and i i agree 2017 team is a perfect example of how they connected through uh chemistry and team bonding but i mean it's there's so many young leaders on this eagles team like did this has been the most youth dependent eagles team that i can remember in in decades really to be honest with you at each of the crucial positions on this team there's really you're you're banking on a uh, Jalen Hurts is 23, right? Like you're banking on AJ Brown, 24, Devontae Smith, uh, 20, like all these guys that are very young and, you know, on defense too, you, you got Josh Sweat, you're really banking on Hassan Reddick is still young too, as well. I mean, it's just noticeable that the way that they're bonding as like a veteran type team, like from the 2017 team that was coached by Doug Peterson, a Grizzly veteran, Frank Wright, Grizzly veteran, Jim Schwartz, a Grizzly veteran. And then all these, these guys on that team that knew what they, how to win in this league to see what they're doing accomplishing now with these guys that are still trying to figure themselves out in this league. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a huge takeaway for me. I think that's going to, it bodes well for the future of this organization. I believe it. I truly do. Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, you mentioned the young core on this team and, you know, this team, you know, the NFL, obviously it's a business and those two teams are alike from year to year. Um, but, you know, the Eagles really didn't lose anybody of consequence this past off season. Um, so now it's really year two, not just with Nick Sirianni, but with a lot of the same guys who were back, you know, and they're connecting um, and they're getting to know each other even better. And you, you look look ahead and, and there's still a lot of pieces. I know the Eagles have a lot of guys on one-year deals, but, you know, the key core guys, like you mentioned, Smith, and Brown, and Hurts, 
These are guys that are still under contract next year. They'll still be part of this team, I would presume, next year. Um, so really that bond is only going to get stronger. And, you know, it, it's not always easy. And other coaches have talked about this. When you bring in 53 players, and it's actually more with the practice squad guys, now you have 16 practice squad guys. So you have 70 players coming together in a locker room as a team. They're coming from all different parts of the country different areas of the world, like Jordan Mulata from Australia. I mean, it's not easy to get 70 guys in a locker room to all like each other uh, and to understand one another. But that's kind of the goal of this team is to get everybody on the same page together, to kind of get to know one another, what makes them tick. And that, to me, can only make a team stronger. Um, and now, you know, hopefully they have the talent, enough talent to to take it beyond, you know, that connecting theme that Sirianni likes to preach. But I, I think I think that, you know, right now that's kind of what the strength of this team is, is their connection to one another. We saw it with Devontae Smith's um, uh, charity uh, softball game that he had in the Lehigh Valley uh, last weekend. I mean, you know, he had several teammates turn out. He had teammates or, you know, former teammates from Alabama show up. He had Micah Parsons from Dallas there who's from Harrisburg. I mean, uh, you know, you just see – and there was a lot of people there too. So, yeah, you know, you, you see a lot of connecting going on, not just with the players, but also the fan base. I mean, there was a lot of players in, in attendance for that softball game last weekend. All right. So let's get, let's roll into the OTA coverage. Cause you got, you and John did a killer YouTube clip uh, and podcast clip of what you guys thought of your OTAs, the reactions when the media opened up for that. But now that you have some time to digest, you wrote, written some articles about it so far. What are your thoughts? Like what are your thoughts on this 2022 Eagles team of what you've seen so far? Well, um, it was only a 50-minute practice. I it's mean, early. It's you, early in the year. It's right early. There's no 11 on 11, so you, you take what you get. Um, but I'm going to say I'm, I'm in lockstep with everybody that say Jordan Davis is huge. I mean, you know, we saw him at his introductory press conference, but after the OTAs, you know, we're sitting there, and I'm kind of on the end of the row as they're waiting to bring him in the tent. So I stand up to bring up my tape recorder, and Davis is right next to me. And I'm like, hey, what's up, Jordan? And I was literally, like, staring at his rib cage. I mean, this dude is massive. Um, you know, I'm like 5'8 on a good day, and Davis is 6'6". Six, six, so, yeah, that makes sense. But when you're up close and you're next to the guy, man, he is freaking huge. And then same thing with A.J. Brown. You know, we saw Brown come in a nice tailored suit at his presser when he was introduced after the trade. And uh, But, you know, he, he comes in wearing his workout stuff, and, and that dude is big, man. He is a big guy 6'1 226 I mean it doesn't sound big but that guy is ripped oh, that's big and, receiver. Yeah, yeah and and you look at him and it's like wow man this guy you know so those were like two big takeaways was just you know the size of Davis and the surprising size to me of AJ Brown you're like you look at the numbers on paper 6'1 226 but until you actually stand next to him and see him and, and you see what he's made of uh you know it's a whole different story than just numbers on a page let me tell you um, so those were two, two big takeaways. And, uh, there were a lot of guys that weren't there, you know, Fletcher Cox wasn't there, uh, and it's optional, you know, put that out there right away. They don't have to be there. Jalen Rager was not there. Quez Watkins, Zach Pascal, they weren't there. Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Jordan Milata. Now, you know, Brett Toth, one of their linemen, one of the offensive linemen was getting married, uh, that weekend. So the speculation was a lot of these guys could be at Toth's wedding, especially those linemen I just mentioned. Um, but you know, to me, it's Fletcher Cox is kind of an, an enigma right now. 
he hasn't spoken to the media since he was cut and brought back. He wasn't at Friday's OTA. We'll see if he's there uh, during Wednesday's OTA. I'm not so sure, but he might be. Um, but he, to me, is just kind of the guy that was the thing that stood out at the OTA was he wasn't there. And, you know, I know he's a veteran. It's optional. But, you know, you got Jordan Davis there who's, you know, learning how to be a pro. And, you know, it'd be kind of neat to, you know, set that example for someone like a Jordan Davis, even Milton Williams in his second year. Um, so that was something that stood out. Uh, and then there were two two players um, kind of under the radar to me that I thought bear watching safety. Uh, Jared Maiden uh, was really did a nice job of breaking some things up uh, in the past game. Uh, and then you look at his size and you forget that he's six foot 205. I mean, that's pretty good size for a safety. And Deion Kane, a wide receiver made a really, really nice catch of a deep throw down the middle of the field from Jalen Hurts. He was pretty tightly guarded. It was a terrific throw from Hurts. And uh, Kane made the catch, and then he took two bumps. There were two guys right around him. One guy bumped him. He spun around. Another guy hit him. He stayed on his feet and went into the end zone. So uh, he, he kind of opened my eyes a little bit. Now, I know Rager and Watkins and um, Pascal weren't there, but Two, two names, kind of under the radar names for fans that might want to uh, keep an eye on those two guys. Um, and then Hertz, probably, and I can't forget him as a takeaway. He just looked mm. like a completely different quarterback from the way he ended last season. I mean, he was throwing the ball sharp, very crisp, very accurate, very much in command with where he wanted to go with the football. Now, there was one time he had to break contain and run outside a little bit because the play was well covered. I mean, you have two number one cornerbacks in Slay and Bradbury, so that's understandable. So there was nobody open. He broke contain and he ran. But uh, other than that, he stayed in the pocket and he looked to make plays downfield. And more often than not, he made them. He had two great throws to Devontae Smith deep down each sideline, um, hit him in stride um, that went for touchdowns. So, you know, Hertz was a huge takeaway from this game. I think he's right where the Eagles want him to be in the springtime, you know, heading into training camp in late July. I mean, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you, if, do you agree with Nick Sirianni's comments about Jalen Hurts? And you pretty much summed it up pretty, very nicely there, especially the accuracy part. Cause I think that's the, you know, there's no quite, I, I hate when people question his arm strength and all this stuff. That's silly. I question the accuracy. That's, that's a fair thing to question. You know, could he be more consistent with his arm strength? Sure. But I, I, I think it's, more than capable of being an NFL arm. I've, I've, that arm is 100% NFL arm. It's the accuracy that I thought is a major issue, and a lot of it had to do with his footing. Mm -hmm. um, but from what it sounds like, you, you, he was zipping the ball out there and getting very accurate. I, that's what Nick Striani pointed out to is mostly when he was talking about him was his accuracy and the, and the change in that. Uh, you agree with that? Yeah, and his footwork was better. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and Another part, I think, is the decision-making. That's another area he needs to improve on and getting the right. ball out quickly. You know, I mean, go to your first, you know, hit the play quick. Get the ball out quick. You know, don't hesitate. And we didn't see a whole lot of hesitation in the short time that we saw him. Um, another angle to that is Jalen Hurts has said it before, and he said it again on Friday, is he he's still trying to figure out what works for him best during an offseason. You know, he's still on the front end of his career. 23 years old, like you said, he, he he hasn't had too many off seasons in the NFL, and he's trying to find the best plan that works for him in the off season. Um, probably not there yet, but certainly this off season looks like he spent some time 
making some of these changes and they manifested itself on, on Friday. I thought, I know that's not going to please everybody because everybody's going to say all oh, shorts and t-shirt, but uh, any, yeah. any improvement, no, 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 no. Any improvements from a young quarterback are improvements. And especially well, one of his caliber, like oh, I'm taking it. Listen, what's the flip side? What if we would have came out and he would have looked horrible and threw an interception or two or threw incomplete passes or looked kind of hesitant? Uh, then people falling. wouldn't be saying, oh, it's only shorts and T-shirts. You know, you, you can only gauge what you're looking at at the time. And what we saw in that 50-minute session was a Jalen Hurts that looked more more uh, in uh, sure of himself when he got rid of the ball. It looked like he threw a better ball. It looked like his – his footwork allowed him to be accurate. Those deep throws, I'm telling you, to Smith both times were terrific. Now, he didn't complete any deep throws to A.J. Brown. Under through one, Brown had to kind of come back and make a play or Slay would have picked it off, and then there was another one he overthrew Brown on. But, you know, Smith and Hertz now are together two years. Brown and Hertz are still working through this chemistry thing. Um, and even Brown said afterward, you know, I told him just throw it, throw it deep as deep as you can and I'll get to it. Um, but they didn't get to it on that particular play. And, you know, maybe Brown slowed up a little bit and Hurts under through it. So there's there's some timing things that they have to work out, but that's to be expected. It wasn't all perfect. We said it last episode. Yeah. That was exactly what we went on last episode and yeah. why we said Devontae Smith would have been is our answer for one of the most vital pieces to this upcoming success of the season because it's going to take time for A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts to get it down. It's not going to be – I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. I think it's going to take like until – Four to six weeks into the season, it, those things take time. It's a, yeah. it's a process. Yeah, I have no problem with it because the talent of AJ Brown will overcome that those issues as time goes on. He'll still be able to make plays on slants. He'll still be able to make plays on uh, throws that weren't in the realm of his possibility of his catch radius because that's the type of player he is. But until then, I, I enjoy the ride. It's fine. Don't t- everybody needs to relax when that when that happens. You know, everybody needs to calm down because I know people are going to hear that comment and then think, you know, the worst of the situation or blame Jalen Hurts in some sort of fashion. But no, those things take time. It takes yeah. time. Yeah. And, and we'll see. And again, health plays such a big part of this. You want Hurts to be healthy. And I contend that he needs to run less so he can stay healthy. I mean, that's kind of that last month of the season. He wasn't himself, obviously, after hurting his ankle against the Giants after Thanksgiving that whole last month he missed the game and then when he came back he wasn't 100% he had surgery in the offseason so um, you know that has to be factored in but he's got to stay healthy there's no question he's got to stay healthy and I think to do that he's going to have to run the ball a little bit less oh absolutely for sure so Ed and I are going to do some I mean wait before we get into that what about the defense any thoughts on oh, the yeah. defense yeah well I mentioned the, or, uh, Jordan Jared Davis. yeah that's yeah. Oh, and Jared um, Maven, yes. That's, you know, it's funny. Uh, after you guys made that, you and John made your clip, uh, a lot of YouTube comments for Jared Maven. He has, he has a fan base. He has a fan base back in Alabama rooting him on. So uh, that, that might be a guy. That might be a guy for this team because I think, you know, Marcus Epps, who's looking at a starting role this this uh, this season for the Eagles, a big role in that, you know, the Eagles picked him off waivers. You know, he wasn't drafted by the Eagles. So you don't have to be a drafted player by this team to make up impact at safety so i would keep right. an eye out for him and reed bigship man keep an eye out for both those guys those they might be the answers who knows and they brought him in last year so he has a little bit of, <clears throat> excuse me a little bit of familiarity with the defense mm-hmm. after coming in last year but he was an undrafted free agent coming out of alabama and you know you look and you forget hey he is from alabama where you know they produce plenty of top shelf nfl talent and you forget his size. I mean, he's got really good size. He really looks kind of lean. 
Uh, he looks long, the kind of length that the Eagles like in their secondary players. So, um, again, one practice, 50 minutes, shells. <laughs> Let's see, you know, once things start to really ramp up how he does. Um, but he's certainly a name to watch. And, again, you and I have said this multiple times, and we will continue to do so. They're going to run multiple fronts this year on defense. I have no doubt about it. It's not going to be a uh, – there's no name or label to put on this scheme of what they're going to be running. But what it, did you take notice of the line? I know you did because you're Ed. But did you look at the linebackers and see what they were doing with them and did you get any type of idea or no, it was way too early OTAs and we're just trying to see them stretch? Yeah, they, they ran um, – they did run a lot of five-man fronts. They did have some three linebacker sets back there. And Hassan Reddick wasn't. Uh, wasn't in attendance. Um, so what we saw was we saw Davion Taylor uh, on one side. And listen, he looked bigger to me, Davion Taylor. But I saw him from a distance. And my old eyes aren't real good because I thought Jalen Hurts looked a little thinner. Uh, and, and I asked people about it. I said, does Hurts look thinner to you? I asked some of you know, the other reporters, and they thought so. So I went and asked Jalen Hurts in the press conference after practice on Friday and you know, he said, nope, still 222. And I said, did you repurpose it or reposition it anyway? And he said, nope, still, you know, because that's your take. He goes, I'm still 222 and I'm still strong. So, um, but to me, he looks thinner. So I take it for what it's worth with Davion Taylor. Taylor looked bigger, but again, it was from a distance. Didn't see him up close like I saw Davis and Brown. So, you know, don't hold me to that. But the starting linebackers in that, uh, you know, that three backer set was TJ Edwards in the middle, Davion um was to edwards's left and kaiser white was to the right um people forget about taylor i mean listen this guy i know he's raw and he's instinctive you know not quite instinctive yet because he didn't play a lot growing up but you know he could be a factor if he can stay healthy you know he's athletic enough to play in this scheme so i'll tell you right now he he better be getting bigger because he missed a lot of tackles yeah he did that's what he was wrapping on he was small coming in so hopefully now you're this would be what year three we're hoping um, those old eyes are correct because <laughs> we need him to get bigger. And I'm just kidding. He's he's 23, folks. He's lying. Yeah. So that was the three linebackers that we saw uh, in the majority of time. And the Kobe Dean worked into the middle as well. Um, but I didn't notice a whole lot of uh, three-man fronts. You know, uh, it was mostly, you know, five-man and some four-man. Um, there may have been some three thrown in there that I just didn't see. And I didn't notice who the linebackers were, but I did see Dean getting some reps for sure. Um, you know, Kyron Johnson was was in there at times. So, um, you know, it's a completely different looking linebacker core. But your three starters, the, the guys that got the first team reps when Hertz was on the field, were White, Edwards, and Taylor. Uh, but again, I know Hassan Reddick uh, to be found. And listen, Nicobe Dean is a rookie. You know, I think eventually he'll he he could win a job as a starter, but I nothing's going to be handed to him. They love T.J. Edwards, um, but Dean Dean will be on the field. But you know, as far as being a starter, I don't think it's going to happen right away. But he'll have a role at yeah. doing something. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they made the right decision starting linebackers before, anyways. You know, they started Eric Wilson over T.J. Edwards, and it took them a couple of weeks to figure out that was dumb. you know it it, it could history but tj Edwards isn't a bad player and they gave him a one-year extension right it's going to take the i mean that's the best part about it is you know this team is not going to force these guys onto the field they're going to prepare them they're going to develop them the kobe dean has a stronger future i mean he is the longest tenure contract of any linebacker on this team so Mm -hmm. yeah when you think about it so he has the bright future 
They know yeah. that. They're not going to rush. There's no need to rush, especially with, you know, the laundry list of injuries. Let's make sure that this guy is 100% healthy before he takes over as our main Mike linebacker of this team, because that's what I'm assuming when he's going to uh, in the near future. Well, I'll tell you, they had um, Zach McPherson playing in the slot uh, mm. one one particular occasion, and um, he made a nice play. He, he made a nice pass breakup in the slot against Greg Ward, and Gardner Minshew was the quarterback. Uh, but, you know, McPherson broke on the ball really nicely and just kind of got in front of it and batted it away. So, again, one play in a, in a 50-minute practice. But, you know, again, McPherson's at one of those guys, year one, year two, um, that you would hope to see some kind of a jump from. And it was interesting that he was in the slot. I'm not saying he'll be Maddox's backup, um, but, you know. He's he a better was, fit for the slot. He, he, he was the slot. And he, he, has some, he has some nice slot plays at Texas Tech. I mean, yeah. I think he'd be a natural slot fit, but it's not proven. And no. they're in competition for that as Jimmy Moreland as well. So, I mean, it's, it's all fair. Just crushed, they're just probably cross-training at this point anyway, you know, throwing guys in different spots, getting them out of their comfort level a little bit. I mean, Brandon Graham played some outside backer um, during the OTAs, uh, which, you know, we haven't seen that since Billy Davis was in town running the 3-4. Right. So, um, you know, Brandon is going to line up in some four eye. He said he's going to line up on the outside. And he's going to do some drops. And he even mentioned Derek Barnett was doing some drops during practice. I didn't know see any of those. They might have been across the field on the other side. But, um, you know, you're going to see, uh, you know, these defensive ends, these so-called edge rushers probably make some drops once they, you know, come out and show an odd man front and then they back off the corner, you know, on the edges and bring just three or blitz somebody. I mean, there's going to be so much versatility with this defense because now Gannon has the pieces to do it. But you're going to see guys doing some different things this year, like Graham and Barnett. They might drop out in coverage on occasion. We'll see. That's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's get into the how we're going to run out of the show. So we got you – know, I see this on – I've seen it on Twitter, and um, I will figure out who, who put this out on Twitter. and they gave, they gave me this idea, and I will give them the proper credit uh in the description below for the podcast but it was name a player on the eagles from the last decade that you would bring back to this current 20 uh 2022 team the easy answer on offense is i think that most people will say is 2017 carson once because that was the best quarterback season in, in philadelphia eagles history like by, it, it is it is the best season it literally is i'm we're taking that answer out uh, we're just gonna leave that out because then that's an easy answer cop out to. Uh, we're not gonna go with that one, all right, Ed. Okay, so that one's out, that one's off the table. We understand if you pick that one. Uh, obviously, I understand if you pick that one, but I I really do want to see what year two as a full time starter Jalen Hurts looks like. So I don't want to replace that right now. And I, that's yeah, it could be the silliest thing to say uh, at the end of this year. Comparing all the considering all the roster, uh, all this talent on this roster, but I really am interested to see and intrigued to see J, uh, year three Jalen Hurts, year two as a full time starter. So, we're going to take 2017 cars at once off the answers. So, without further ado, I'll go with my offense. My offense is going to be Brandon Brooks, and the hmm. reason being, you know, I was torn between Deshaun Jackson and Brandon Brooks, and people are going to think. You know, why does Sean Jackson and a lot of people question Jalen Hurts' arm strength, yada, yada, yada. I remember Jalen Hurts hitting Deshaun Jackson just fine for that bomb of a touchdown versus Dallas. 
know, he had no issue hitting Deshaun Jackson down the field for that touchdown pass. Um, a prime, not even a prime, excuse me, 2013 Deshaun Jackson with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. Eagles might, you know, even with Jalen Hurts being the caliber quarterback he is considering last season, they might be a top five passing offense with that type of production that they have with the skill players they have at that position uh, with the 2013 Deshaun Jackson. But I will never forget the phrase, we were one Brandon Brooks away from an NFC from going back to the NFC Championship game in 2018 when they lost Brandon Brooks in playoffs. The one position on this offensive line that has the most questions around it right now is right guard. So why not put that all pro back in there? You know, the, that 2017-2016 Brandon Brooks and uh, went through the trenches like he always did. You know, that's yeah. that was the that was the philosophy of the Super Bowl team. That's still the philosophy of this organization now with how much they invest in both sides. I think adding and you know people are going to think it's a crazy answer because a lot of people want to go for the skill position. I completely understand that, but the impact that Brandon Brooks uh, goes without goes without saying, uh, absolutely. So I think if you add him to this offensive line, not only is it the best offensive line in this league, but it could power you to a Super Bowl for sure. Yeah, feels like three years ago since Brandon Brooks retired, but he just retired. This offseason, of- that was their biggest offseason loss. I, I know. Uh, other than Rodney McLeod, yeah, because both of those guys that they, they lost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, you're right. He was, he was a great player. And if you're, if you're talking about bringing back a player that can help this team from the past decade. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Brandon Brooks belongs, uh, belongs there. And if you're looking at it from just, you know, a pure, let's see him play again standpoint, you could say Deshaun Jackson, because man, he was fun to watch when he was getting past defenses and getting open and he was good for the home run hitter. Uh, people liked home runs. I mean, Deshaun Jackson was your guy. Um, but I, I think if for me, I would probably, and I know they're pretty loaded at receiver, uh, with Brown and Smith, um, and Quez Watkins even, but I, I would probably bring back Jeremy Macklin, um, just because he was the last receiver the Eagles had that went over a thousand yards and, uh, you know, he did it eight years ago in 2014. So I would bring him back and, you know, if you want him to help this team, I think he would help this team just fine. But. Just to see him play again, I think we kind of got a little short change to Jeremy Macklin because he left uh, when the Eagles didn't bring him back. But, you know, he, he was here for five years and he scored, I think it was, you know, 36 touchdowns in that time, which is, you know, seven per season. I mean, that is really productive. And we haven't, the Eagles haven't had a receiver like that since really since he left. Um So, you know, give me Jeremy Macklin. Plus, he was a really good guy in the locker room too, a real gentleman. Everybody liked him. Um, just a just a good guy overall. Let's see. I'm looking at his stats here. He had he had all, like almost seven thousand yards receiving in five years. I'm sorry, no, almost five thousand yards receiving in those in those five years. He had over three hundred catches, three hundred forty three catches. So really productive. Um, give me Macklin. I'll take Macklin to, uh, because I think he could help this team in his prime. I'm not saying he's going to come back now at the age of. However old he is. No, yeah, we're we're taking we're taking yeah. so you're, you're pretty much taking 2014 Jeremy Macklin because that was his yes. best year as an Eagle. 24 Jeremy Macklin, but I'm I would taking, love to see Deshaun again, man. I loved watching Deshaun because he was so fast and you know he would catch the ball, yeah, he could track the ball, and he was a home run hitter, and they're fun to watch. Man, if anything, the Rams have taught me, the Bengals, even the Bengals of the past when they had T.J. Husmanzada, Chris Henry, and Chad Ojasinko, and the greatest show on turf Rams. Uh, and multiple teams ever since, because this is a passing era of football. You can definitely have three wide receivers of those caliber. 
in this area of football. You 100% can. Uh, will does Jalen Hurts have much to take advantage of? We're, we're still trying to figure that out. We're still trying to figure it out for sure. But uh, those three wide receiver trio will definitely help you for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can understand that answer 100%, Ed. So now let's go on to the defensive side. Okay. So the easy answer, I think, especially given the safety position now, is going to be Malcolm Jenkins. That was going to be my answer. But I think, again, if we're going to start and try to shy away from the cop-out answers, then the cop-out answer for that probably will be Malcolm Jenkins. Maybe not for everybody. Maybe someone will say McLeod, and I wouldn't I wouldn't mind hearing a McLeod answer for sure. I thought McLeod was very underrated as an eagle. Yep. But Ed took my original answer. Not to, He didn't take, but we both agreed on it, and I don't want to do the same same answer. So I'm going to go outside the box here, maybe for people that are listening, but not so much for me because I, you know, this guy was a great, great, not only player, but leader. And I think leadership is incredibly underrated in the game of football. Uh, You don't have to be the best player to be a leader, but uh, when you're a leader on the defense or if you're a leader of the defense or you're the leader of the offense, uh, your team is so more organized and you're such a competitive football team with those leaders in place. And D'Amico Ryan's, the Mufasa just was that for the Eagles. Um, yeah. You know, everybody always is quick to say Jeremiah Trotter when they're talking about, oh, we hope Nicobe Dean's next Jeremiah Trotter. And all, we, everything reverts back to Trotter because that's when the Eagles had a consistent long-term uh, linebacker that they can hang their hat on. But D'Amico Ryan's was a player for this team. I know injuries uh, put a damper on his Eagles career, but there was there was some health in there. The 2013 was healthy. Uh, there was some great stellar play when he was on the field for the Eagles, without a doubt. Uh, and just the heart of a leader, true leader. He was a leader just like Jer- and he was the same leader in Jeremiah Trotter's aspect. Just wasn't as consistent and long enough as Trotter was with the Eagles. But uh, D'Amico Ryan's would be my answer there. I think he would be the, you know, the one thing that they need is that linebacker, that might that middle linebacker to really, you know, set the tone like Eric Kendricks uh, did in Minnesota, like Darius Leonard does in Indianapolis, like Bobby Wagner did in Seattle. Now he's going to do it in Los Angeles and then Fred Warner in San Francisco. And Fred Warner's actually learning, learning how to do so from D'Amico Ryans. So yeah. I, I think D'Amico Ryans would be perfect for uh, this Eagles defense to bring back. I know I look, I believe in the Dean. He's the future of this team, but uh, uh, the 2013 D'Amico Ryans, uh, knowing what he knows, being the player that he is, uh, I think would just transform this defense. Yeah. Mufasa. Yeah. Um, yeah, good, good pick there. And yeah, taking Jenkins off the board's a good move, like we did with Wentz uh, for our offensive picks. You know, but I'll, and I'm not saying he's my guy here, but I people forget about Nigel Bradham too. I mean, I they do. Listen, Bradham was just such a he was a, such a laid back guy in the locker room. You know, say what you want about his off field troubles, but I saw that guy play through so many injuries. I mean, he was so tough. Um, you know, making plays. He had the bad hand a couple times, broken thumb. I mean, he he was just a real heart and soul guy. And I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, Ed, I haven't seen a better Sam linebacker for the Eagles in my lifetime, other than Carlos Emmons, than mm-hmm. Nigel Bradham. And again, Seth Joyner was, you know, really before my time. I haven't, I didn't start watching the Eagles till 1999. Yeah. Just to be completely truthful. But uh, I've never seen a Sam linebacker play as well for the Eagles as Nigel Bradham did. I know he moved, he ended up moving to Mike when they got rid of Jordan Hicks. But uh, when he was, what you're talking about there is 2017 season, and that, uh, he dominated from the Sam position, even 2016 too. But both those years, he dominated from the Sam position. Yeah. Uh, incredible player for the Eagles. Yeah. He was a fun guy to talk to, also. Like yeah. I said, just laid back, always, you know, had a smile. Um, but 
uh, he's not my pick. My pick for uh, if I could bring somebody back, I would take Chris Long back uh, in that locker room. Uh, another guy when we talk about chemistry for that 2017 team, um, you know, I mentioned Legarrette Blunt. You could put. Chris Long right up there with Blunt. I mean, just a great locker room guy. Remember the shrine he built to Nick Foles when Nick Foles was taken over? Um, you know, probably rubbed Carson the wrong way, but, you know, it got people believing in Nick Foles that, yeah, we're, we can win with Nick Foles. So um, Chris Long only spent two years here in Philadelphia. So productive uh, in those two years, kind of at the end of his career there. He played all 32 games. He you know, 32 games, he had 38 quarterback hits. That's, you know, obviously do the math. That's more than one quarterback hit per game. He had 11 and a half sacks and, you know, another underrated stat. He had six forced fumbles in those 16 mm. games. So this was a guy that was always around the ball. And 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 who could forget the play he made in the NFC championship game? Eagles are trailing seven, nothing. The Vikings have the ball and they're kind of moving a little bit. And, you know, he comes in and hits Case Keenum's arm right as he delivers it, alters its trajectory, and Patrick Robin picks it off and takes it to the house. Game over, even though it only made it 7-7. But that the link was la the loudest I can ever remember hearing it was after Patrick Robinson took that pick six. Oh, yeah, no, they, the Eagles took the momentum for that game. Yeah, Not right. play moving forward. And, the whole momentum was, was on the side. Chris Long who, who made that mm -hmm. play happen because he hit Keenum's arm. You know, didn't knock it too hard, but grazed it just enough to change the flight of that football. And, you know, again, I would I would take Chris Long, especially, you know, now when you look at, you know, the edge rushers and Eagles only having what, 29 sacks last year. I mean, give me Chris Long for so many reasons on and off the field. I'd bring him back in a heartbeat. And again, Trent Cole and Chris Long were yeah, my top answers for that. And it was I was going to go Chris Long because – when you can get the opportunity to add one of your franchise's most productive pass rushers in their history to, in addition to Hassan Reddick, who was coming off of back-to-back -back seasons of 23.5 sacks combined, in addition to Brandon Graham, I know he's coming off an of injury, but again, I the talent of Brandon Graham is not going to leave. Whether or not he's the same or not, he's still going to be a force and somebody to be reckoned with and a, a, keeping up defensive coordinators up at night. Uh, and Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, Javon Hargrave, Mm -hmm. and Owen Williams and you're telling me I, I that's my easy answer mm -hmm. that's my easy answer you win in this league with pass rush you do it just happens every single time you've seen it every single time the Rams don't win without Von Miller yeah the Bucks don't win without Shaquille Barrett you know it, you need that productive pass rusher to win a Super Bowl I can go on and, and talk about the last decades of Super Bowls and name that elite Ooh. pass rusher you know oh, add Chris Long yeah, Brandon add Chris Long. Even Chris Bowl. Long. Chris Long was, again, the most productive pass rusher in Eagles history. One of them, uh, uh, the most productive pass rushers in Eagles history. So yeah. that's yeah, that's an easy answer for me, too, is there as well. And I, you know, I think everybody might have some different answers, and I would love to hear them as well. So feel free to please chime in. And uh, maybe we missed somebody, or maybe we're completely forgetting somebody off the top of our head. I mean, I think Zach Ertz would have been a, a popular yes. answer as well. But I just, you know... I they weren't really much of a 12 personnel team when they won the Super Bowl, though. Yeah. You know, they were really using three wide receivers. So, you know, I'm not trying to compare the Eagles to, to the past and say this is how they're going to have to win it going further because no team is the same. But I would really like to stick with, you know, Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin type addition to the offense rather than a Zach Ertz type addition to the offense. Yeah. It's still a fair answer. And I would understand your opinion on that. This is yeah. nobody's wrong here. Right. We're just naming right. people. But, and I like Hurts off the field too. I mean, you know, when I was thinking about this assignment, 
uh, you know, I was thinking off the field guys too, like who, who was good off the field. And you could certainly throw uh, Zach Ertz in there, just a oh, tremendous yeah. community guy, a guy that really cares a lot about more than just football. And, uh, you know, he certainly would be a good answer as well. And I really like the little Garrett Blunt answer too, because I think, you know, everybody's going to be like, he's a running back. But he taught the Eagles how to win. Let's not forget that. He came from a pedigree of winning with New England, and he instilled that into this locker room. You know, without LeGarrette Blunt, the Eagles don't win a Super Bowl. I 100% wholeheartedly agree with that statement being said. Um, he really did teach this young team that was coming off of a 7-9 season with their second-year head coach, this is the way to do things. This is how you should operate. This mm-hmm. is how we should be towards each other. We should be like this. I should make a shrine for Nick Foles. I should play games with the the team in the back of the locker room after practice and, yeah. and build this chemistry. Like that, he taught them how to win. I that's the one thing that. I remember about Blunt is just he he made that locker room fun for everybody that was in it, the players. Um, and I I've never been in a locker room like that where you had somebody that was like coordinating games and you know, hey, you got the winner. You know, who's next? Like he would go around everybody in the stall and say, hey, come on, you're next. Let's go get a, get a partner. You know, and I mean, it was just, he really kept things light and it was really fun to watch. I like how this episode turned into like a Gary Blunt appreciation episode. Like, this, <laughs> no, I, no, I like that a lot. He was one of my favorites. I love him. That, yeah. that, that's, that's great, man. You know, shouldn't have just been one year. They really let him go to the Lions for no reason. Yeah, yeah. I know. I really thought they were going to bring him back. Um, and I think he thought he was going to come back, but it just wasn't to be. So, uh, but no. that one year he made an impact and I would love to see them bring him back and just, honor him at halftime and you not know, to retire his number or anything. Just bring him in and throw him out there in front of the crowd. Cause I thought he was tremendous. You know, you know, assistant running back coach to Jamel Singleton, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That too. I don't know what he's doing now. I'm not sure he's even involved with football, but um, he runs a CBD uh, company. CBD. He it, yeah. He runs, he made his own CBD company. Okay. Yeah. He's doing good in that, in that industry, but yeah, I would love to see him back on the football field. That guy was an amazing player more so yeah. than uh, that's what that he's one of the guys that you can't, you, the, the position to that cannot define you. The position yeah. you play cannot define you. He was a winner, but that's going to do it for us guys. Again, feel free to chime in with your answers. We'd love to hear them. I mean, you know, this is an opinion based uh, question for sure. So feel free to chime in with your answers as well. But again, we'll be back next week. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll come back with some more updates as going further. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.